0: If you really want to improve as a leader, I've got a great deal for you. Simply go to mojouniversity.com and sign up for our two week trial. Take any of my courses, I promise you you're going to get better, you're going to learn. Go to mojouniversity.com and sign up totally for free and try us out for two weeks. Hello and welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show, Steve Caldwell here, and I'm thrilled to introduce a repeat guest and one I truly love, Mr. Anthony Iannarino. Anthony is an international speaker, best-selling author of three books, one, The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need, The Lost Art of Closing, and his newest book, Eat Their Lunch, Winning Customers Away from Your Competition. And we're going to talk about eat their lunch today. And Anthony is such a treat. Uh, And we're so glad to have you back on Manager Mojo. Welcome, Anthony. Glad to talk to you today.
1: Thanks for having me back.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. I mean, I didn't
1: blow it last time. right?
0: I don't think that you're capable of blowing an interview. And (laughs) I am really excited about getting to talk to you again and share some things with you. and uh, before we do that, why don't you share with our listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of just work? I don't know if this is
1: outside of work, but I'll call it outside of work. The uh, the Outbound Conference in Atlanta that I put on with my friends, Jeff Blunt, Mark Hunter, Mike Weinberg, uh, we've been working really hard on getting that together. So it, it is fun for us because we love, you know, hanging out with each other and We've been in Atlanta doing the, the work, getting the event put together, and we've invited a whole bunch of people to join us. So what's fun about this is uh, we've got Jeffrey Gittimer there. We've got Bob Berg there. We've got Andrea Waltz, Colleen Francis, Victor Antonio, uh, and Bob Berg on the main stage. So that that is you know just the biggest possible names you can imagine in the world of sales, and they're all coming to hang out with us. So that's been really, really fun putting that thing together.
0: Well, I can imagine it is. And, uh, I'm thrilled that you're here today because so many of our listeners, uh, are running companies of their own and they have managers that are in charge of sales teams. And I love, uh, myself. I mean, I, uh, I have, uh, trained salespeople for well over 35 years myself. And I, I tell people all the time, Anthony, that if I wrote a sales book, I would want it to be, Even half as good as any of your books, because I truly think they're outstanding. And I know for a fact they'll help any sales team uh, improve, and I recommend them frequently. And everybody that I recommend the books to, and they provide to their sales team, they gain knowledge from it. And I was uh, thrilled for you today to talk about uh, Eat Their Lunch, Winning Customers Away from Competition, because this is a a little deeper book than your other books. And I'm curious, uh, the motivation behind this particular book, whenever, uh, frankly, I don't know how you can top the only sales guide you'll ever need. So talk to me about that.
1: Well, that was kind of an unfortunate title to begin with. You know, when you have a three-book deal and you name your first book the only sales guide you'll ever need, that's a little limiting since uh, you, you already said that. Um, you know, what, what I've thought about as I've done this is the first book was really a competency model. So what what that really is is what do you have to be in the way of a mindset or a belief system or character traits and then what skills do you need and i put that one first because it just felt like without the foundational piece then when we get to how do you be consultative and control the process which was the law started closing if you didn't have those things then i feel like you would be behind and it would be difficult uh to to do those things and then once you got the law started closing and you knew how to gain the commitments and how to be consultative then we can start talking about competitive displacements. And I did them in this order specifically, even though Lunch starts with level four value creation, and that's probably the framework that is the oldest one of all of them for me. I've been using that for a decade now, and it just ended up in this book because it was time after completing the other two and giving people that foundation to stand on. So that's the way it went for me. Uh, I thought I would do what was foundational first and then get to more Complicated and difficult outcomes.
0: Well, I, I think it's outstanding, uh, myself. And uh, I, I know that it works because I've uh, used this uh, type of uh, thinking for a long time, uh, long before uh, we are in today. And you talk about level four selling. And, and in your book, you actually talk about uh, four different levels of value creation. And uh, if you would, why don't you set up our listeners a little bit with what, what is the difference between the levels? Because I think sometimes today uh, we've got this idea that uh, sales is as simple as, as click. In other words, go to a website, click here, click there, and you're going to find all your needs answered. And I'll tell you, nothing could be further from the truth if you're selling any com- kind of complex product. So uh, tell us a little bit about that four levels.
1: Well, the four levels really came out of uh, the necessity for me to teach people how to think about what was going wrong for them. And for a long time, we would show up and introduce ourselves, introduce our company, start talking about the logos that we've won and the problems we solved for people, and then talk about our product or service, whatever that was. And what's happened is we've done that for so long that that's not interesting to buyers or customers anymore. And instead, what happens is you start to look and sound like everybody else. I have this product and I have these kinds of customers and well, so does everybody else. It's very difficult to see that as value creation because it's mostly self-oriented, mostly talking about us. And it's really not that interesting because the, the product and the company that is interesting to the buyer is their product and their companies and their services and all of those things. So level one was just a way to say, if it's about your product, you're not going to generate any compelling differentiation that's going to cause somebody to say, you know what, I really need to look into this and do something different. And for a long time, we've asked people, you know, what's keeping you up at night? Tell me your pain points. Well, people have learned to live with that. So it's not that compelling to have that conversation anymore. Level two means are you easy to do business with? Do you have a good experience, good support, good service, a little bit better than product? But we've been commoditized at level three, I would argue, for probably 20 to 30 years where all of us can produce the tangible results that our products and services were designed to create for clients. That means that if everyone's commoditized and I can create that level and you can create that level, what a a customer does is look at that and say, well, they're both the same so there's no really real reason to do anything different than what I'm doing now. What I recognized uh, about a decade ago is that there were certain salespeople and certain practices that allowed you to come in and just start right with the strategic outcomes and the message about here's what's going on in the world And here are some of the things you need to do to adjust what you're doing uh, to to live in this new world. And to me, that was the fourth level of value. And basically what the book starts with is turning that around. Don't start at level one and come in looking like a commodity. Start at four. And then you're going to end up using your solution and your experience and the product or the service that you sell anyway. But that comes later on after you've had a conversation about, why they should change, how they should change, what kinds of things they should consider, the trade-offs that they're going to have to make, and, and all of those much, much bigger and more interesting conversations for decision-makers.
0: Well, there's, there's no question that uh, you become a trusted advisor at Level 4. Uh, you can have conversations that you can't have if you go about it in the opposite way. And I, I think it's outstanding uh, the way that you've laid this out. It's really, I, I don't know, it, it, would you call this book more uh, a, a field manual or a how-to guide? I'm, I've tried to, I think it's kind of a little bit of all of the above, that it's, it's educational, it's instructive, but it's also got a lot of tangible ideas. For example, you talk about uh, how to create nurture campaigns in this book and you go through week after week after week how do you actually get the attention of of that particular great prospect that you want to bring onto your uh in, into your company and this type of planning i find to be almost non-existent in sales teams today uh, am, am yeah, i just uh, am, is that my opinion or what are your opinion on what's your opinion on that
1: yeah, I think that that's right. And the the one thing that I hope I've done with every book, and you more know, more and, and people more and more people have started to comment on at the end of every chapter, there's a small section that's titled "Do this now." Mm-hmm. And I don't like books where the idea is really good and they give you the theory, but there's no conversation about practical tactical application to your real job. In in every case, in every book, and this one is no different. You could talk about a big idea like level four, but then how do you put it into practice? And if you can't put it into practice, then, I mean, you might as well have not read the book at all. So I I tried to make it as practical and tactical as I can with examples and and a whole bunch of uh, do this now kind of work. And there's a workbook that goes with it so we can give people a better shot of putting it to work in their practice.
0: Well, there's, there's no question that uh, one of my favorite things about any of your books is the Do This Now section at the end of every chapter. Uh, I, I find that that is the thing that really makes a difference. But uh, I, I want to ask you a, uh, an opinion question here, Anthony, because you're involved uh, just with sales organizations. I've spent much more of the, the last decade spending it in the leadership uh, area and uh, but in in clients that I work with and and others that I talk to, uh, you know we have a lot of knowledge out there. It's just like your book. It, it, your whole series should be a mandatory buy it and put it uh, in front of your salespeople. As far as I'm concerned, but beyond that, what I'm finding. And, and it irritates the heck out of me, is that you can teach people, you can show them what these concepts mean, you can have a do-it guide at the end of each chapter, but I'm finding more and more often that a lot of people that are calling themselves salespeople, and they, want, they say they want to be a true professional, they want to be a top performer, uh, I'm not finding a lot of people willing to put the work and effort into it to uh, perfect their craft. Uh, and, and that is bothersome to me. Uh, it, have, have you noticed that from what you've seen? Is, is it uh, or is that just a perception that I'm totally off base on?
1: I've heard uh, Dan Pink say it this way, that he was in uh, the, the bottom percent of the class that made the upper percent of the class in his law school possible. And uh, you know that's uh, the bottom eighty percent that makes the top twenty percent possible. You know, you you in this in this particular endeavor uh, that we talk about sales, the the amount of IQ and business acumen and emotional connection, uh, all of that is now the, the demands are so high. You have to read. You have to study. You have to work on your personal and professional development because the personal development, you know, in sales, it's not a competition like, uh, um, let's say, an accounting department. So, my accounting department isn't competing against your accounting department. But in sales, it's a certain kind of competition where somebody wins and somebody loses. Mm-hmm. So, the first book, The Only Sales Guide, It's about your character. Are you the kind of person that I want to bring onto my team? Do you have the kind of ideas that can help me? Are you going to be accountable for helping me drive results? Are you going to be proactive and take initiative? Are you going to disappear when there's problems? And, And all of those kinds of things matter. And if you're not working on your personal and professional development, I think sales is going to be more and more difficult for you over time, specifically just because the demands are so high now. You really have to be a good business generalist and somebody who thinks about results if you're going to succeed, which means you have to do the work.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I find it to be distressing when people don't want to put that work in. But I like the way that you put that. It's those that don't uh, really provide tremendous opportunity for those that are willing to put the work and effort into it. And that's going to be the differentiator in how you're going to be a top performer is that you're putting in that, that work and that effort in order to get to that next level. But uh, the reason that I wanted to even say that is because a lot of people listening are running companies, they're managing teams, they're leaders themselves. And they, uh, today, they run the risk of trying to take the easy way out of uh, trying to get sales. They're going, in my opinion, there's too much of a low hanging fruit mentality and not enough of the get down and get after it type hard work that it takes in order to win away your customers from the competition. How do you recommend that leaders start to think about their sales organization so that it, they can get away from this? Well, it's all just as easy as putting it up on a website mentality.
1: Well, here's, here's the thing about that. When you're a leader, I mean, the the one thing, if you go and search leadership right now for just attributes that make someone a great leader, you're going to find 62,000 different attributes that people say are important. But ultimately what a leader does is lead, which means I set the direction. I choose the target. I determine the goal. I adjust all of the resources and put all of our emphasis and all of our effort against what we want. And now listening to what you said out loud, is I want to make it easy. So I want people to come to me. I want information on the website and I don't want to work very hard. I think more things should just come to me naturally and I shouldn't have to do that work. And that would be uh, the most uh, outrageous mistake you could make as a leader. Your job as a leader, especially as it pertains to the book that I just wrote, Eat Their Lunch, is to tell people these are the accounts that we want to win. These are our dream clients. These are the people who our value proposition is going to serve better than anyone else can serve them, and that's why we're targeting them. And then you deploy all of your effort, all of your energy, all of your resources, all of your salespeople's time against that outcome. And what tends to happen if you're a leader is when you say, this is what I want, and I'm going to command all of my resources against that outcome, that tends to be what you get but if you're passive and right now there's a a war going on between what what comes out of silicon valley and tech companies in a large part um, minus a few that are are exactly structured the opposite about what i'm going to say where they think that you should just be able to push a button and send emails and have sales come in they're trying to replicate the kind of scale and the reduction of friction that somebody like amazon.com has been able to enable But that's not what happens in B2B sales generally. In B2B sales, you have to pick a target. You have to decide why you want them. You have to have a value prop around why they should change and how you can help move their business to the future. And if you're trying to make selling easy and you're trying to be efficient, you're really missing the point. And I I see companies that are so efficient that they have very low close rates. And that's because the efficiency. Well, I don't want to give these resources. I don't want... Have people making more than one sales call? I want a BDR to do this instead of a, a a field salesperson because I don't want to use a field salesperson. And what we've done is we've we've followed Frederick Winslow Taylor and we've sliced the role into SDR and BDR and uh, account manager and account executive and subject matter expert and major account executive and all these kinds of roles, trying to be more efficient when you get paid for being effective, you only get paid in sales if you win. So you should put all of your effort against what you want and work on being as effective as you can at pursuing them and don't worry so much about the efficiency.
0: Well, I, I love the fact that you're talking about targeting your assets, targeting who you want on your team. And the, the reason that I think that's so important uh, is that unless you set that as a priority, how in the world does anybody know what they should be doing? And I, I think that it's important that we continue to do that. Now, one of the things that I just want to point out, because I know you believe this as well as, as I do, uh, you even talk about it in your books, uh, all of them, you talk about the fact that sometimes you're going to have to actually make a cold call on somebody. And the idea today that you can just get people to click and come in and you don't have to pick up and introduce yourself and be prepared to provide value. I think is just leaving millions of dollars on the table for companies that it's really silly to leave that money on the table. Am I right about that? A
1: hundred percent. And it it makes no sense. And you know, the, the first thing about, leadership, in my view, is you, you have to decide where you're taking the organization that's in in your charge. And it really is its in your charge. You're there to serve them. But you have to start by having something that you want. And I, I think until you get that part right, people just drift. And when they drift, they tend to find, well, these people are receptive to me and they're easy to have a conversation with, so I'll spend my time with them. Even though that doesn't translate to the, the wins that you want or building the client portfolio that you need so I, I, I think that's exactly right you have to do the heavy lifting at the front end
0: uh, uh, thanks for your thoughts on that I do want to point out one thing that I really loved and, and it's more I, I just want to kind of get down into the tactical uh, tactical here just so that we can give people a taste of what we're talking about uh, in uh, eat their lunch and that is Uh, you you, today, uh, so many salespeople have the idea that all they have to do is to get a relationship with one person in an organization. They, they try to go into C-suite and they try to take it easy, but you go through building consensus horizontally and vertically in your, in chapter seven. And you talk about this thing called go find the CEO of the problem. If you don't mind, would you share a little bit about that concept? Because I think it's absolute gold.
1: There's a a lot of people, you know, who grew up hearing you go to the C-level executive, you get to the C-suite and let them push you down. Well, the truth of the matter is there's not a lot of C-level executives. I mean, in smaller companies, sure, but as you get into larger companies, The CEO doesn't want to meet with you, they don't need to meet with you, they're not likely to meet with you, and they probably shouldn't meet with you because they've hired people to make decisions for them, and they've trusted people to manage parts of the business because they can't manage the entire business by themselves. So they have a chief marketing officer who has a marketing director, or they have a head of operations, a COO and they have a distribution manager or something like that, or an operations manager in another role. The person that you're looking for is the highest level person that actually cares and is responsible for whatever outcome you can help them create. So you don't need the C-level executive, and they're not likely to push you down anyway. They're more likely to say, unless you talk to them and they want to have a conversation with you, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. They're going to make that decision for themselves. So you're really looking for what are the titles of the people who normally lead a change initiative around what you sell. And I call that the CEO of the problem. That's the person who really is gonna probably get their way. Yep. And they're gonna be able to bring executive leadership in and they're gonna be interested in talking to you because even though the CEO doesn't care what you do, they care deeply about what you do and the results that you can help them improve are really important to them. So they're willing to have that kind of conversation if you can um if you can do something like that and get to that person with a value proposition that's worth their time
0: well i, I love this chapter and i know that it's going to be very valuable to anyone that's trying to to gain that top 5 10 of the salespeople in the country or in the world you got to master these concepts and Anthony, you do a phenomenal job of that. And I know people are going to want to know more about how to connect with you. Why don't you share, uh, share how they should best connect with you and find out more about the great work you're doing.
1: The best place to find me is the And I publish there every day. When you show up, there'll be a, a banner that pops up or a link that will take you to the newsletter. And that's the very best way to connect. You'll get my, best piece of work every week on Sunday morning and it'll help you set up your Monday.
0: And listeners, I want to tell you that I subscribe personally to Anthony's uh, newsletter. It's well worth your time uh, to read. It's excellent uh, and professionally done each and every week. And uh, I I truly enjoy it myself, Anthony. Uh, One of the things uh, you're most welcome uh, as, as we, uh, come to a close today. Uh, I, I would like it, if you would, to talk about action items for those that are listening in a leadership capacity today. And what would be your one or two top action items that you believe that they should take in order to change the mindset, uh, that currently exists within their sales teams?
1: That, that's a great question. I think the, the most important thing is to establish, The mindset and the culture, and then to protect that culture. So, what what I mean by that is, I think you should have a a hunter culture, which means we're always looking for opportunities, we're always creating new opportunities. Those, Those kinds of things that are a belief system that everybody's accountable for doing this work. I think the other other things that matter are developing your character, developing yourself personally and professionally, and having that conversation about what's the growth opportunity for each individual on the team and knowing that and being able to have those kinds of conversations. But what a leader does is grow their people so that they can produce the best result that they're capable of. And each one's different. I have three children. They're all different. I have different expectations of all of them because they're all different than uh, the next one. But the same is true for your people. So you have to look at them and say, how do I grow them up so that they can become the best version of themselves? And if you get that part right, Everything else is
0: pretty easy. Those are great action items, Anthony, and uh, I love the fact that you talked about accountability because uh, people today that are leading, oftentimes they're they're good at telling, but they don't think about accountability uh, for themselves to train their people and to know that the results that you're getting are because you're either supervising those results and holding people accountable to those uh, great foundational principles that create great relationships or not. and You've helped us all by thinking of that. My guest today has been Anthony Reno. Anthony is the author of The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need, The Lost Art of Closing, and Eat Their Lunch, Winning Customers Away from Your Competition. I recommend that you connect with Anthony, First of all, go buy all his books, put them in your library, and study them. You'll find out uh, things that will transform your business. Anthony, thank you so much for being a part of our show today, and we wish you continued success in everything that you do.
1: Thank you for having me.